When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. McDavid centers for timer score. Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time it's Clefbaum. He'll swing it out to the outside and it is to the end zone. Touchdown Eskimos, Darrell Walker. Touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, it's June 28th. It's well over 20 degrees, so of course, hundreds of Edmontonians have flocked indoors to a hockey rink to watch a hockey game. Why wouldn't you? It's the Billy Moore's Cup tonight at the downtown Edmonton Community Rink. They'll hit the ice in about half an hour here. It is the 24 young men taking part in Edmonton Oilers development camp, including the first-round picks from the last couple of years, Kyler Yamamoto and Evan Bouchard, goaltending prospects Stuart Skinner and Olivier Rodrigue. So we'll keep you updated on this one as we move along tonight. And uh, if you're in the downtown area, not too far away, it is free. There's plenty of room. First come, first serve here uh, in downtown Edmonton. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Ched, plenty more on the Oilers and some things going on in the NHL as we move along tonight. Brendan Ulrich from Oilers Now will check in a little bit later on. We'll get a World Cup update from our buddy Kevin Jesus over at Global Television. I'm sure he is, even for this radio appearance, he's getting painted up in Portugal colors. Of course, he's a uh, huge Portugal fan. They've moved on to uh, the elimination round to the knockout phase, as has Japan over Senegal because they got fewer yellow cards in their first three games, thanks to the fair play rule that they have in FIFA. But we'll, we'll get to that a little bit more later on. Tomorrow, in 24 hours... Dave and Morley and Brendan and Blake will sign on from Commonwealth Stadium. 8 o'clock kickoff. We'll have it all for you. Eskimos home to the British Columbia Lions. And play-by-play voice Morley Scott is on the line right now. Morley, how's it going, buddy? I'm good, Reed. How you doing? I'm uh, I'm doing very well. I, I, I find this yellow card story quite... Can you imagine if a CFL game ended in a tie or two teams were tied at the end of the season and if all the points for and against were even, they said, well, this team got fewer penalties. I mean, I guess it only works in a short tournament. But it, you know what? It's an interesting way to do it, and i got to say, I don't, I don't mind it. I, I don't mind it if it's down... I don't want it as the primary tiebreaker, fourth or fifth on the list. I don't mind it. Yeah, that's right. You know, penalties are uh, are a key part of every game, right? And I mean, if if you don't take penalties, you're usually going to be a better team anyway. So, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. Those short tournaments, like the World Cup, the tie-breaking system is is so interesting. How they break it down and go backwards and and kind of finally get to a spot where one team's better than the other and declare declare one team ahead of the other. 
Yeah, I mean, at least uh, they, at least they didn't do something like drawing of straws. I, I, th- I still think that's the last tiebreaker. Or the coin. I don't know if they draw straws anymore. They probably flip a coin. Yeah, yeah but... I think it's a coin. It's a coin flip or a shootout. One of those two. Uh, the eighth, yeah, the eighth tiebreaker would be drawing of lots if it if it ever got down that far. So thankfully, it, thankfully it didn't. Morley, they we got the do, Eskimos. They do it like Survivor does, and, and have the the rope on a stick, and you have to build a fire, and the first guy whose fire burns the, uh, the rope in half, and your team advances. Yes, there we go. The first the first uh, soccer team to build a fire would advance to, to the next round. That'd be that'd be a made for TV fans, event, though, isn't it? Oh, geez, yeah. Who's ever fans, whichever team's fans had brighter flares during the round robin gets to it gets to advance um look the eskimos are getting ready to go here the the secondary had a tough tough game last week against the hamilton tiger cats i know they had a couple of inexperienced players in there what's going on with the defensive backs do you expect tomorrow against bc well here's what the uh, the depth chart says and how they've been practicing uh, all week long it looks like uh, maurice mcknight's going to come back into the game and he's going to start on the corner uh, on one side nick Taylor's going to move from uh, the uh, the one side to the other side. So Taylor and McKnight will be the two corners, and uh, that, McKnight will be on the wide side. Taylor will be on the short side, and uh, Aaron Grimes uh, will be in the in the middle with uh, with Money Hunter at the defensive at the halfback positions, and then Neil King will stay at safety. So they're making making a change. Uh, Jordan Hoover, who I think it's fair to say had a pretty tough game against uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and I really think the Tiger Cats offense picked on the the young guys on that side of the field with uh, with Hoover and Money Hunter, and uh, the Eskimos have decided to make a change. They flipped the ratio there, so they bring in McKnight to play in what is usually a Canadian spot for them, and of course, when Arjun Colhoun is healthy, that's where he'll go, and they'll move it back to being a, a Canadian spot. So, to make uh, room for that, they're going to have to make changes on their offense, and that is uh, going to mean two Canadian starters uh, for the offense, and that will be Nate Bahar and Nate Ajay, who will both be listed as starters. One of those two, along with a fullback, either McCarty, Normand, or Dupuis will be in the game at all times on offense for the Eskimos. So they've made a ratio flip so that they can get uh, the international player, Maurice McKnight, into the backfield. So they're going with four American defensive backs. They, they had been going uh, with just the three because of Arjun Colhoun and him being able to play in that position, and they wanted to go Canadian. Well, he was healing, but it looks like they just decided it's just not going to work out. So this is the way they're going to line up this week. All right, so interesting there what they're doing in, in the backfield. And, uh, yeah, hopefully, obviously, they're going to need a lot better coverage on the receivers for sure. This is uh, an interesting matchup. Oh, I mean, Odell Willis is the headliner coming back to Commonwealth Stadium. I had him on the show a couple of nights ago. He was always fun to talk to. Obviously, Ed Hervey has gone to the BC Lions, and there are a few members of the BC Lions who would have who have great cup rings from Edmonton in 2015. Yeah, I was going through the list. There are nine players on the uh, BC Lions roster that have played for the Eskimos. Five of them won a great cup with the Eskimos in 2015. Uh, then you throw in the fact that uh, Jerry's Jackson, who was uh, here uh, on the coaching staff in 2015, he's now the offensive coordinator for the BC Lions. And, of course, Ed Hervey, who was the GM for the great cup win, is also there. And another Eskimo uh, alumni who is with the BC Lions right at the top is uh, Rick Lalisher, who is uh, the team president for the BC Lions, even going down the list, uh, the director of communications, Jamie Cartmel. He used to work for the Eskimos, too, before he went out to BC to work for the Lions. So there is definitely, definitely a lot of uh, Eskimo flavor to the BC Lions right now.
All right. Well, that's interesting to follow for sure. Morley, and did, has Ed talked to anybody? Did he do any media today? Uh, he did not. He was not at the stadium, and the whole team was at the stadium. They went to a, a rundown. The coaching staff was there, and uh, the team did a rundown or a walkthrough on the field to uh, to get ready for the game tomorrow. But Ed Hervey was not there. Uh, we've asked for him to come on the post uh, on the pregame show tomorrow, so we haven't yet got an answer. We'll see if uh, if indeed he decides to join us or not. But I think knowing Ed, and uh, I, I think he might want to stay in the background for his first trip back to Commonwealth, which is uh, his choice and absolutely fine. So I don't know how much we will hear from Ed Hervey uh, over the next uh, 24 hours as his BC Lions get set to play the Eskimos. All right. And you mentioned Wally Buono. Is this is this it for him for sure? Last game with Commonwealth, barring a well, I guess the well, playoff game I, or the Grey Cup, but this it, it, could be the last time we see. Yeah, it's, it's definitely his last regular season game here because the Lions only come here once. And I kind of threw that at him today, and I I, I kind of took the angle. I said, you got nine road games this year, so you're going to get this question probably nine times, and 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 ask him about how much uh, is he is he you know kind of stopping and looking around. And and I kind of got this from Nick Lewis last year when he said the same thing. He said every time I go to a stadium this year. I'm looking around to try and remember it because it might be my last time in. Uh, Wally knows it's his last time in, and uh, he said he's not getting too sentimental right now. He's not doing that. But right away, though, as soon as I said, I, I did say last regular season game at Commonwealth. Right away, he said to me, Our, my last game at Commonwealth Stadium will be in November. So he was very confident about his team right now. He jumped on that uh, quite quickly. So he's confident about his team, and, uh, and it was good that he right away kind of corrected me and said he'll be back in November. All right. Well, he's he's been one of the great coaches to watch uh, over the years. Morley, just give me a thought here on the Eskimos' attitude this week. Uh, you know, I go back even to 2014 when they started ramping up to win the Grey Cup in 2015, and, and I kind of call it the Riley Sherritt era. I don't know if that's totally fair, but they're kind of been the the leader on offense and the leader on defense, and. and in that era, they've been generally a pretty mentally tough team that certainly has had some tough outings, but has you know generally been able to recover or, or, or stick with it. Do you get that same mental sense is there this week and this year? Yeah, for sure. Uh, they're very determined this week. They're very focused, it seemed, this week. They only had two days on the field instead of three, which is the normal work week uh, before the walkthrough day, which was today. So they only had the two days. They took uh, the first day of practice this week. They had meetings, uh, and they were in the classroom and putting the game plan together, and, and the players were getting the game plan. So I, I think uh, the focus is there in the meeting room. Then they took it out on the field, and everybody I talked to this week was was uh, uh, very determined. They, they talked very determinedly about bouncing back and not letting last week's uh, uh, bad game roll over into this week. So I, I really like their uh, their determination and the fact that they have been in the past but able to put it behind them. And you mentioned J.C. Sheridan. He said this week that it happens to every team every year they have a game like that. He said even in our 14-4 and season, uh, we had a game like that. And we were able to bounce back and play well the next week. So they're very determined to have a much better outing and a bounce back week this week against the Lions. I mean, you don't, BC's 1-0. Uh, Calgary is 2-0. and They could be 3-0 and shortly. Uh, you don't want to be 1-2 and with uh, BC at 2-0 and and Calgary at 3-0 because you're already in the chase position and it's not even July yet if that happens. Morley, looking forward to the broadcast tomorrow, buddy. Thanks for giving us an update on what's going on. Anytime, Reed. Talk to you later.
That is Morley Scott, play-by-play voice for the Edmonton Eskimos games right here on 6.30. Chet, tomorrow we got a two-hour countdown to kickoff starting at 6, game at 8, as the Eskimos will tangle with the BC Lions. Reed Wilkins with you. Inside Sports is live from the downtown community rink. The ice surface empty right now. Soon it'll be filled with 24 Oilers prospects for the Billy Moores Cup. We'll keep you updated on how it's going. I'm looking forward to seeing Evan Bouchard get out there and strut his stuff. Drafted 10th overall by Edmonton last Friday in Dallas. It is 6:16 Inside Sports on 6:30. Chet. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30. Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. You can text 630-630. The phone number 780-496-0063. Bretsky, who is one of our loyal texters. Does he text uh, Oilers now, Brendan? Bretsky. That sounds familiar. Bretsky texts uh, Inside Sports quite regularly. He's, no, I don't believe he He's a right pretty good texter. Uh, often has astute sports observations, and sometimes it's just just humorous. So you use the old text line, so it doesn't actually, on the news text line, it doesn't actually show their tagline. So maybe he does, I just don't know. Bresky says, uh, hi, Reed and Kellen. I just got back from Lac La Biche, and my friends said they listen to inside sports all the time. So if you are listening in Lac La Biche tonight, I'm going to make Lac La Biche the inside sports feature community of the evening. <laughs> What an honor. That's well, a, as you know, Brendan, I often come up with little uh, features just on the spur of the moment. Black Labish is the first ever inside sports. What did I call it? See, I already forgot what it's called. <laughs> inside sports community, community of the evening. Yeah. We'll keep it simple. So if you're listening in Black Labish, uh, thank you. You can text 63630. Let me know what's going on for Canada today. Here's, here's what we'll do tonight, our off-topic topic. Haven't had one in a while. You can text 63630. What is happening in your community for Canada Day? I mean, on, on Ched, if people listen to 630 Ched, what do we talk about? We talk about everything happening in Edmonton, which, hey, Edmonton is a, bi- a big city, so it's going to inform the most people. But I would like to know what happens in some of the smaller communities on Canada Day, especially since I grew up in a smaller community. And I don't remember what Evansburg did on Canada Day. Probably, like, <laughs> set off, fired a few shotguns into the sky at you know, midnight. I don't know. When I was in Kinders, they had a parade, so they always had a Canada Day parade, fireworks show at night. So I think a lot of the towns probably do parades. I imagine there's all in all seriousness probably some form of fireworks yeah. and or and or a parade. But let me know what happens in your community, outside of Edmonton, uh, on Canada. Maybe you got a ball tournament. Yeah. Maybe you got a big community barbecue. Maybe you shut down Main Street and have a street dance, like a street sock hop. <laughs> Brendan's like, what's a sock hop? Yeah, Do you have sock hops when you were in school? No. We used to have sock hops. You could leave your shoes on, though, so you weren't really <laughs> in your socks. Bretsky, thank you very much for the text. Uh, again, Black Labish, congratulations. You're the first ever Inside Sports Community of the Evening. Uh, here we go. We got so in Andrew ball tournament, beer gardens plus fireworks. That actually sounds like a really good kid. Yeah, let's head <laughs> we down. should go to Andrew. Yeah, no well, we're both working in case there's free agents, <laughs> big free agency stuff, which I don't think there will be for the Oilers. But Brendan and I will talk about that in the next half hour. If you're hearing some hockey-related noises, that's because the uh, prospects are on the ice here for the Billy Moore's Cup to wrap up Oilers development camp. Brendan and I will uh, keep an eye on it, obviously, while it's going on, and let you know who's who's looking good. 
Talking about Odell Willis with Morley Scott. We got to get to this clip from Odell Willis on Inside Sports a couple of days ago. I asked Odell where all his energy and his general happiness comes from. He gave a very unique answer. I mean, just as growing up, I always just like having fun, you know. I always was like, I don't, uh, I want to, I want to have the most fun as possible because, like, when you look back on memories and you go to talk, I mean, those memories just bring joy to you. And then as I got older, you know, you start understanding things about life. And like I tell people, I mean, I told our chapel today, uh, that he was like, what makes me go? And I'm like, I embrace my death every day. And he kind of looked at me. I'm like, we take for granted. We take for granted our life so much and that we don't even know it. It's like, and like this season going, it's like, okay, I hope to do another interview interview with you when we play the Eskimos. But who says it that I'm to see that next game? We don't know when our time going to expire. You know what I'm saying? So for for me to have that in the back of my head, like we know when we know when our phone battery gonna die. We know when we need gas in our car or we know like certain things are not gonna last forever. And sometimes I think we as people think that we gonna live forever, that we procrastinate a lot or we don't, you know, push ourselves to the uh the full potential, but if you had, to me, my opinion, my thing is, if you embrace the fact that, you know, the next second, the next hour, or the next day is not promised, I promise you'll start living your life way more than what you're doing because, I mean, once you think about it, it's scary, but at the same time, it's life, it's reality. Everything lives, everything dies. It's just life, and once you understand that, You'll start appreciating things and just, like I say, start living more because you, you understand it's a time limit on your life. You just don't know when. That is Odell Willis. I've asked several players, coaches, about their motivation over the years. It's always an interesting question. I've never had anybody answer by saying, I embrace my own death. And that's where Odell Willis got started on that answer. He's an interesting cat, a uh, good football player. I mean, I think obviously he's a little later in his career. I, I was giving him a hard time in the interview on uh, Tuesday because I said, you, you moved around a bit in the Eskimos defensive scheme. And he said, yeah, I'm still still the same way. He goes, you know, when I was in Edmonton, sometimes I lined up at safety. And I said, Odell, you never lined up at safety. He's like, yes, I did. You weren't watching closely enough. So I said to David Morley after, I was like, did Odell actually line up at safety? And they said, well, no, he would line up on the D-line or as maybe as a linebacker and then drop into into deep coverage. So I, so I don't know if he's lined up as, as the same, but he, 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 was, he was very good at getting downfield. Uh, we'll see how he does with the BC Lions there in town to face the Edmonton Eskimos tomorrow. Rick and Leduc says Leduc will be having a free concert featuring, featuring, now I don't know if this is a, is this a band? Coleman Hell? Is that right? I don't know if that's a typo or if that's actually a band. Coleman Hell, fireworks, a parade, pancake, pancake breakfast, and more. Happy birthday, Canada, from Cheers, uh, Rick and Leduc. The Big L says, Reed, it's a long weekend, so in our community, it'll rain. Maybe we'll have a sock hop inside. Well, sounds fair. Uh, Bruce in the Park says, would Lucic, Talbot, and Sekera for Price 
makes sense for both teams in terms of personnel, cap, and free agent roster space. Wow, I, wouldn't that put... I, I can't at all see that happening, especially since all three Oilers would have to waive no move clause. No move clauses. Bruce, I know you're trying. I, I don't think that's going to happen. We'll talk a little bit about Milan Lucic, about what we see from the Oilers' prospects. You can text 63630, our phone number 780-496-0063. Ottawa and Calgary, by the way, in the CFL kickoff at 7. We'll update you once it starts. is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. The Billy Moore's Cup underway here at the downtown Edmonton Community Rink. They're starting off with some five-on-five five hockey. It's two teams of 12. I, I think they're also planning on doing some four-on-four four tonight. So we'll keep you updated on this one. Skylar Brindamore on the ice. Obviously, uh, Rod Brindamore's son. Now the what he just took over as the coach. Head coach replaced yeah, uh, Bill Peters in uh, in Carolina. Wasn't he the story we had last year? He he got home from around a golf yeah. and heard on the radio right. that he'd been, he he did not attend the draft. Uh, so uh, pretty cool for him. Yeah, we'll keep you updated on uh, how things are going. Standout performances. I I think it's going to be. What do we expect here, Brent? Like it'll be a competitive game, but probably more pace than physical battles. And you went, you went in Jasper a couple of years yeah. ago. And was that was that the year Drake Kajula really stood out? That's right. And you look at this class compared to a few years ago. There are a lot of quality prospects on this uh, ice surface tonight, Reed. So it's exciting because you look at this past year's draft. I think the Oilers hit it out of the park, and then the 2017 class. Uh, you're expecting all these guys to now eventually push for spots here in the next few seasons, and some of them will, of course, uh, be in the minors next year. And then Benson as well in the mix, too. So a guy that finally is healthy and should be one of the most uh, impressive players on the ice tonight, you would expect, because he's going pro. He will be pro next year after playing a few games in Bakersfield. So there's a lot of talent out here. The goaltenders as well, uh, with Stuart Skinner, his uh, sensational WHL season. So exciting. Now, the goal the goaltenders are, are interesting for me because a few years ago, we were talking about Mark Olivier Waugh and Tyler Bunce yeah, possibly one day taking over in the Oilers' net, and obviously that's not going to happen. No, it's a load it's increase now. Three years ago, who was one of the hottest goaltending prospects in recent years coming out of the draft? Zach Fucali. Mm. He was recently not offered a contract by the Montreal Canadiens. So, I mean, look, we know goaltending is the hardest position to project, most important position on the ice, also the hardest position to project, but but at least the Oilers are trying to build a stable there. Skinner was outstanding. So I, I think in the WHL, I think what I like most about Skinner's season is that he he knew the spotlight was on him. He knew he was the guy. He knew he was... I mean, I guess there were a lot of trades this year in the dub at the deadline, but his was one of the marquee ones, right? Where he was, his was one of the ones where you looked at what uh, Swift did and said getting him and said, well, that that's the guy. And I know Estefan was part of the trade, but I mean, it was really, they, they wanted Skinner and Net. And, and yeah. they, they, he knew the spotlight was going to be on him. 
He knew he was the guy who was going to be uh, scrutinized. And for the most part, he came through. I know they had a tough Memorial Cup, but what did he have, six shutouts in the playoffs? Oh, yeah. In the Western Hockey League? So I, I think, I mean, look, obviously they're all great athletes. They're positioning, you know, they're good positioning. They're still learning, all that kind of stuff. But I like I like that from the mental side of the game from Skinner. He, he knew what the stakes were. He knew what the scrutiny was going to be. And, uh, and he was able to come through. Now, Rodrigue, first, uh, he, was not, he was the second goalie taken in the draft, first North American goalie and highest rated North American prospect. He's not a big guy. He's 6'1", but he's pretty, pretty slender. But again, quickness. He's been working with his dad since he was basically six. Sylvain Rodrigue's a goalie coach and a goaltending consultant for the Oilers. So you hope one of those guys is is the next generation because the Oilers uh, I mean Dubnik was a homegrown goaltender and you look back man would have loved to have I mean Dubnik's been a top five goaltender in the NHL last three years got rid of him when he was not having a good season Oilers didn't have a good season he's been great but you, they need some of these homegrown goaltenders to come along and the homegrown talent in general and I'll, I'll say this to, to you Brandon and, and everybody listening and this was a big theme throughout this past season as, as we saw the Oilers have another tough year. They have, Peter Shirelli has tried to round out the roster by trading for guys and signing free agents, signing big fish. Now, I don't think it's going to happen on Sunday, and it didn't happen last year. It happened his first two years, Secker and Lucci specifically. Clearly, we know the trades he made. You can't fill out your roster that way. You, you no. can tweak the roster. You can get a key addition, and, I, and I'm purposely using the, the singular addition, like maybe one player that you really need you can get to free agency. I mean, they, they had to go get a top six winger uh, in Lucic. They had to go get you know a really good defenseman in, in Secker, just signing free agents. And, and I, I understand that... Oh, I understand it because I've been critical too. I understand why Shirelli's under fire after this passage. Totally understand it. But, and this is just from talking to people who have no interest in how the Edmonton Oilers do, that the drafting seems to be a lot more encouraging the last three years than it was prior. Yeah. Well, I don't think anyone would complain about the 2018 draft class, and this is our first look at these guys. And then you talk about the 2017 draft class, and all these guys are on the ice right now. You talk about these players. You hope the hope would be probably five or six of these guys on the ice tonight, Reader, on the roster within the next two or three seasons. And you would expect Yamamoto, Bouchard to be two of those guys. But then there's Jones, there's Benson. You would hope that a couple of these guys are Oilers sooner rather than later, and they'll be on cheap contracts. And that's what you need. That's what we see with all the teams that win these Stanley Cups. Superstar players. The others have that in McDavid and Drysettle, but it's about rounding out the roster now with some of these younger, cheaper players. And there's a lot of quality on the on the ice tonight, so that's the hope. But you need to develop them now. And uh, you look at you talk about Skinner. I think he'll be either the AHL backup to start the season, or he'll be maybe in the ECHL. There's some options here with Wells maybe going back to junior. Starrett's in the mix, and I guess we have to see what happens with Montoya. But uh, well, I, I don't think Montoya is going to be on the NHL roster. So he'll maybe be your starter in the AHL? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Or would you rather have a younger guy playing? That's the interesting Well, I mean, they've clearly signed Koskinen to be the backup in the NHL. I mean, I don't think... Well, I mean, I guess Montoya's under contract, so I can't say he doesn't figure in. I don't think he figures in as that they think he's going to be in the NHL. No. So. And, I mean, he has he's unfortunately had some concussion issues, and, you know, that's harsh, but that's the reality of pro sports. Injury concerns can, can slow you down. And they, they didn't pay Koskin in two and a half to be in the A. So no. I don't know. No, they didn't buy. They didn't buy out. Of, they didn't buy Montoya out. 
do they keep him in the minors and then is he a trade chip if a team gets desperate for a goalie yeah, well, maybe that maybe that's ultimately what happens to him. Uh, is Zach Ficali a free agent? I would sign him. The kid could still be a star. That's a text of six thirty six thirty. Well, and there's the whole thing. Does he does he bounce back and eventually become the goalie you thought he would be at 24, 25? I mean, Tal- Talbot, to use an Oilers example, Camp Talbot never drafted. Yeah. Didn't get a chance to be the guy in the NHL until his late 20s when the Oilers picked him up. So well, How old is Koskinen? He, like, that's another example. He was overseas for a while, and now maybe he comes in and becomes a star out of nowhere. You never know with goaltenders. I guess that's the point. I'm just checking if he's 30 yet. He's not. Well, Koskinen will be 30 on July yeah, 18th. So. I knew he was 29. 30. Uh, somebody texted in what happened to the Ron Brassois. Well, I don't think he figures in the Oilers' future plans, quite frankly. Uh, I don't think he did enough. I don't think the team feel that he that he's come along enough. Yeah, I think he needs a change of scenery, Brassois. Yeah, I think I think he'll he'll probably Fresh latch on else. latch on with another uh, another organ. I mean, he's a UFA, so. I, I don't. I don't see him. Uh, I don't see him being around. By the way, Skinner made a great save a couple minutes ago. That'd be the highlight so far. Uh, the uh, Billy Moore's Cup. They're playing. Are they down to four on four already? Yeah. So they've already changed it to four on four. So Skinner's do, huge in the net. By the way, Skinner looks. Yeah, he yeah. does take up a lot of the net for sure. Well, I mean, six three over two hundred pounds. So yeah, he's going to be a guy that takes up the, a, a lot of the net. Uh, this texture says. Uh, it's Donald from Forest Virgo. Did yeah, Yamamoto get that? Yeah, well, nice surprise, surprise. Who was on the other end? Uh, that would be McLeod, I believe. Okay. 70? I think it was 70. We're it's still be, learning these yeah, guys. It's too. hard to tell up here. <laughs> Sam Rukoff on oh, the ice been, as well. Might have been, been might have been Sam Rukoff. But so Yamamoto, the first round pick from last year, gets the first goal here in the Billy Moore's Cup. Nice, uh, nice give and go. The, uh, Donald from Forestburg says everybody wants the Oilers to make a big splash this summer. First, we don't have the cap space unless we move contracts. But let's look at the reality that maybe last year was simply a down year. Yes, the power play and the PK were bad, but injuries and sickness played a big part. Confidence was shot because of this. I really don't think the Oilers need to do much other than forget last season and just chalk it up to a down year and start fresh. Uh, Well, Donald, I I think your first point is correct. I don't think they're going to make a big splash because of the cap space. I mean, they don't have the money to sign. Uh, let's put it this way. Do they have the money to sign anybody for more than a million and a half dollars? Not really. I mean, they're going to have to more be like a million or less for a lot of guys. And I know Bob's put Chimera out there. We've talked about hypothetically Davidson back, Reeder coming back, uh, Duclair coming back. Or, it was Zarnick another guy uh, yeah. you guys were talking about on Oilers Now earlier today. So, yeah, we're talking about guys who are going to be slightly plus or minus a million dollars because that's all they fit in unless they trade Lucic. But how do you trade Lucic with Without a retaining money or be taking a big salary back, that's just the reality of the or- the situation the orders are in. It is interesting we're hearing a name like Tremere already read because he's maybe a guy you could get late in free agency or even like a guy you would invite to a PTO in training camp because he's coming off a terrible season. So you would hope you don't overpay him, but he is uh, an Edmonton boy, and it sounds like he's motivated after a tough year. So I get why they'd be interested in him, but it's just interesting to see that name out there and that being the Oilers' primary focus so far, maybe, if that's the case. Uh, so somebody texting, we are live at the downtown community rink. So this texture says, are they turning people away or is there still room? <laughs> there is room, but this isn't a two-and-a-half-hour hockey game like an NHL game. I think this will go to 7.30-ish 
Right. How long was the game in Jasper? It wasn't even 90 minutes, was it? No, it was. Oh, it was over. Yeah, they don't. They, I think they're doing two. It looks like they're doing two stop time 20 minute periods. So yeah, it'll be over probably by 7:45. I'm not trying to discourage you from coming, but if you're driving in from, it is pretty. Big. It looks like yeah. standing room only though for the most part. You well, can find you, a place you, to can, stand. you can go down at the very end. Yeah, but it is pretty full. Well, people like watching hockey. Oh, even yeah. though it's June 28th. It does feel a little bit weird, but yeah. <laughs> well, we're used to <laughs> CFL we're, football we're, just starting, and we're here we are watching. Hockey game. <laughs> uh, the Big L says, Reed, I think the last free agent signed who contributed to a cup winning team was Gabrick with LA in 2014. Well, and that's a whole other fruit basket that the Big L is delivering right there. How many big big name free agents have paid off in that season and how many trade deadline acquisitions? I mean, as you know, Rob Brown was adamant that Rick Nash was a waste of a trade by the Boston Bruins. He was absolutely adamant. Rob's the best. You nailed that one. And he, he, he <laughs> said, he, Rob often said, there are two R. Nashes on Boston and yeah. Rick's the second best one. He liked Riley better. Now you can debate that and wonder where Rick's going to go. That's going to be interesting. I mean, here's the well, thing. Well, they said today he might uh, just wait a little bit because he's not sure if he wants to play. Well, that's right. Yeah. So we'll see. By the way, look at Washington last year, Reed. Who did they sign in for? They signed Devontae Smith-Pelly, and then they traded for Kempney at the deadline. They, they signed Chase on, I believe, as well. So that's sort of the situation the Oilers are in right now. And was too. it uh, was it in the spring of 17 or 16 when they traded for Shattenkirk? Yeah, that was the year before when they... So that was their... Th- that's the crazy thing about in. what the Capitals did. That was their, okay, we're going for it. You know, we're baby last chance for Trot. Sovetchin's getting yeah. older. Uh, they, they went in for it that year. didn't work out. Shattenkirk left, right? Yeah, they lost. And then, <laughs> and then, Osner in for agency, too. Schmidt went to uh, Vegas in, exp- in expansion. So we thought, okay, Washington's going to struggle to make the playoffs. And they'd sign a couple under-the-radar guys, and here we go. And they brought the uh, Smith-Pelly back, obviously, yeah. after not giving him a qualifying offer, which was interesting how, how that worked out. Reed Wilkins, Brendan Ulrich, we're at the downtown Edmonton Community Rink. It is the Billy Moore's Cup, the wrap-up to Oilers Development Camp. The only goal going to Team Messier in the white jerseys, and it is Kyler Yamamoto who has that goal. Uh, we'll get to some of the more uh, Lucic rumors that are going on today. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Chet. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chet. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight at 649. Tomorrow at 6, we'll start the coverage for the Eskimos and the Lions. The game will start at 8. Second of two in a row at home for the green and gold. Bummer last Friday against Hamilton. Boy, Brendan, they're changing up that secondary a little bit. McKnight's coming in. Uh, He and Taylor are going to be on the corners. Hunter and Grimes, halfbacks. Neil King stays in on the secondary. I mean, you knew one of Hoover or Hunter had to come out after that. Look, I know they're inexperienced. I'm not writing these guys off. But you couldn't throw them both back out yeah, there. Yeah, it was again. just a snowball effect for those guys. They kept picking on them, and it was like, okay, it gets worse. And every every like every time Hamilton had the ball, they just kept going back to those guys. Okay, Bouchard, Evan Bouchard yeah. just ripped home a slap shot from just inside the top of the circle on a clever little pass from Kyler Yamamoto. So there we see Bouchard's big shot. And we've also seen that Kyler Yamamoto is the most skilled and dynamic player on the ice, which we shouldn't be surprised. They made the Oilers, just like that. Just on that play. Yeah, right. (laughs) Just what we need. Well, they'll have a chance. Yeah. Yeah, Bouchard's an interesting one, because usually you'd say when a guy is drafted, don't put him on the team, I mean, unless the first overall guys are different stories. 
But Bouchard is older, and I know Bob mentioned it, but Sam Cosentino said it on my show. Other people have said Bouchard's going to have a chance to push for, for a spot on the team. He can clearly shoot. He absolutely fired that one home. Now, Yamamoto should shine in a game like this, and he is. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting with Bouchard because you, you go back to Bear last year, Reed, and down the stretch, what did he do well? He was good at moving the puck, and he was good on the power play, but he struggled on his own end. But I think... We still saw a lot of positives that over, you know, rided those negatives. So it's like Bouchard all of a sudden. What if he gets hot in preseason on the power play when, you know, they called all those penalties last year in preseason. Maybe they do it again. And if he looks great on the power play with McDavid, one time in pucks, it'll be hard to keep him off the roster. So who knows? One will have to wait and see. But, yeah, I agree, Yamamoto, he looks great out here so far. Andy Strickland out of St. Louis today reported that the Oilers have a deal in place for Milan Lucic. His agent, Jerry Johansson, has been quoted several times over the last few days, including on the show Brendan produces, Oilers Now, last, uh, I think that was last Friday in Dallas he was on, or was he on the Thursday show? He was on last week. Yeah, that week. was on Friday in Dallas that there has been no trade request. Uh, He has said that again in interviews today. So that continues to be the story. Uh, There continues to be, you know, little reports saying that, well, maybe that's not the story. Lucic gets uh, a signing bonus on July 1st, so no team is trading for him before July 1st. I mean, you take the cap hit, but you wouldn't have to pay him the real dollars. Of, of the signing bonus. Look, th- things things can change. Uh, again, the Oilers don't have a lot of cap space, so you'd probably have to trade that big contract for another one, so that wouldn't really help the cap space situation. I know there have been times, Brendan, where it seemed more likely that Lucic was going to be traded as we get a backhand goal right in front. McPhee. Another one for Team Messier. Gray McPhee getting the goal. Bob said he liked him. He saw him the last couple of days here at training camp. So Gray McPhee gets the goal. He's uh, played for Boston College this past season. Fifth round pick back in 2016. Uh, about 6 feet, 180 pounds. That was a clever little backhand from right in front. So 3 nothing now for Team Messier. I... I I mean, I mean, look, and I know a lot of people are saying, well, Shirelli didn't comment on it, so that means Lucic must have asked for a trade. And, well, Johansson's not telling the truth. Look, I prefer to take guys at face value. I, I don't know if they sit there and say, well, how can we misdirect things? Now, having said that, things can change, and there can be technicalities in your answers. Well, maybe you haven't asked for a trade, but maybe you've said you're open to it or you'd entertain it or what's the offer where where would you be sending me something like that could have happened i i think there's uh, i think there are a few things going on here i still think it's most likely that milan lucic is an edmonton oiler in the fall and gets a chance to bounce back with the team and the general manager that gave him that big contract it just it just in my mind and sometimes this i i know fans love trades and they're fun to cover and talk about and all that stuff a lot of times it's the status quo though that becomes the story and is the most likely at least short-term solution yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, it's Milan. That Milan Lucic will be back next season. I guess there is still a chance he does get traded. And I think maybe the Oilers have explored some options. I mean, Shirelli wouldn't be doing his job if he's not trying to improve their roster. So perhaps if there was a hockey deal to be had, he would maybe consider a trade. Having said that, I don't think that's necessarily an option really based on his salary that he makes. So the most likely solution is he'll be back. You look at the Oilers' wingers. There's not a lot of... Uh, 
experience and depth on the wings right now. I think they're still, like we, they were looking at last year, we were hoping for a lot of guys to step up. I think this year is the same. You hope Poliarvi all of a sudden takes a big step forward. You hope Yamoto maybe cracks the roster. I, I think you'd like him to start in the minors, but at some point maybe he's on the roster. You hope Kajula takes another step again. Like There's lots of question marks. I think we can assume that Lucic is going to get back to 20 goals next year. Is that fair? No, I don't think that's no, fair. I don't think. Well, if he's in the. Well, top. do I think it's likely? Yeah, likely. I, I okay. could. I couldn't say that that's likely. No. Okay. Do I think it's possible? Sure, but I, I think you have to. I, I would have to say twenty is. Maybe no, that's that's year. a question for me. So it would be double. Fifteen, fair. If you said Lucic could get back to fifteen, especially since he hit hit the post on three or four open nets yeah. in the second half of the season, you know, okay, fair well, enough. I'll say it, but I think here's banking on that. Happening. Okay, but here's the thing: what what was more frustrating for fans watching Milan Lucic last year? Well, and I'll tell you what it was for me. The more frustrating thing was his inability to clear the puck. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the goals weren't going in. Boy, McPhee's having a heck of a game here. Just, just stole it at the blue line and, and uh, set up a teammate for a one-timer, but it went wide. I got to say, Yamamoto, Skinner, and McPhee so far into this Billy Morris Cup have really been standing around. I think Dudek just took a high stick. They might call it. I wonder if there's going to be a penalty or just a penalty shot. Okay, I'll, I'll get to my Lucic thought after the fact because I, I actually think as frustrating it was that he didn't score and, the, and that the production went away, as a viewer... There, there were things that concerned me more. And I'll get to that when we get back after the 7 o'clock news. We are live at the downtown Edmonton Community Rink inside sports on 630 Jet. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. 